There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. What's going on, everyone? It's Wednesday, January 25th. I'm Zachary Crockett here with Rob Litterst, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about ChatGPT. Uh, that's the AI tool that just passed the freaking Wharton MBA exam. And we're going to talk about the implications of that and how educators might be planning for a future that has a little bit more AI than we all anticipated. But first, let's take a look at what else is going on in tech and business today. First up, the Department of Justice and eight U.S. states filed a lawsuit against Google for monopolizing digital ad technology. That suit basically claims that over the past 15 years, Google has eliminated competitors through acquisitions. They've thwarted the ability of competitors to use products, and they did all kinds of other nefarious things to control the market. (laughs) Not much new here. Google's always in the news for antitrust stuff, so... Yeah, not the last time this is going to happen. Throw it on the pile. (laughs) I feel like I've read and heard a lot of people talking about how the advertising duopoly is kind of coming to an end and 2023 is going to be the year that people start finding value in some of those like niche advertising products. So Mm. we'll see if this plays into that as well. I mean, if the lawsuit goes anywhere, it could be pretty tough. Sure. Yeah. So I got one here, Zach. So Niantic, which is kind of like the company that I most associate with AR, I think. They're the company behind Pokemon Go. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, if you remember that, it went absolutely crazy a little while back. Uh But they launched a new game called NBA All World, which is basically a geolocation-based AR basketball game that it sounds like it's kind of like Pokemon Go for basketball, which I'm kind of curious like how this is actually going to work. I, I looked at the website, didn't totally get it, but I do think there's something to like AR and VR. Like I could see future generations using those tools for training yeah. to like model their shot after Steph Curry or something like that, right? Like sure, if you have man. this device that can like measure your motion and compare it to players in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. You could see the arc of the shot like in front of exactly, you as you're shooting. Exactly, and work on your form. But yeah, we'll see how this goes. Maybe we'll start seeing people out in the common and wow. in the parks running around playing NBA All World. <laughs> that is nuts. Okay, go and play some horse with uh, Dwayne Wade or something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, speaking of fitness, Strava, the fitness tracking app, they acquired this company called FatMap. <laughs> that is a company that offers really high-resolution 3D maps for outdoor sports and activities. And yeah, I could see this working out. Like, you know, I use Strava a lot and the maps are kind of sucky. They're just like simple 2D maps that don't really show you much. So I could see a pretty cool integration there. Word on the street is that after using Strava for a year, Fat Map is going to be renamed Skinny Map. (laughs) I see what you did there. I like that, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. So sticking to the uh, sports thread, lots of sports news today. 
ESPN inked a deal with the Association of Pickleball Professionals to broadcast over 200 hours of live pickleball coverage. Zach, have you jumped into Pickleball Mania yet? Oh, but I feel like we're always talking about pickleball on this podcast. Yeah. Like it comes up every couple of weeks. Uh, it must be a big deal if, if yeah. we're always talking about it. I've played and it's really, really fun. So I, I grew up playing tennis, love tennis, love ping pong for that matter. And it's like kind of a hybrid between both of them. It's obviously more strenuous than playing ping pong and mm-hmm. less strenuous than playing tennis, which I mean, if you're playing like real tennis, you feel it really quick. It's a very tough sport. Your dad's a crazy good tennis player, isn't he? So I wonder what if he'd be a good pickleball professional. Yeah, it's funny. So he played college tennis and was very, very good. He like never played any of the other racket sports like racquetball and squash because he was always afraid that it was going to ruin his form in tennis. He's played a little bit of pickleball lately and I think he likes it. Okay. So in other news, New York City, they have a new sound measuring traffic camera and it's basically going to identify these really loud vehicles. And every time a vehicle passes the threshold, that vehicle is going to be fined $800 for a first time offense. Wow. I love this. I actually do too. I think it's, you know, New York is loud enough. We don't need souped up Z28s driving around the streets. And there's been a little bit more of an effort and a focus on noise pollution, the impact of noise pollution on people. Yeah. Whether it's city noise or leaf blowers in the suburbs, I think people just are getting a little sick and tired of it. So I'm all for this. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, like, are you going to be able to drive a motorcycle in New York City now? Because <laughs> I feel like they're so loud. And yeah, like I have nothing against motorcycles except for how loud they are. It just like every time I hear one coming up yeah. on me, it, it rattles me a little bit. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, <laughs> those $800 fines stacking up. Oh, yeah. So lastly... Zach, A24's Everything, Everywhere, All at Once scored 11 nominations for the Oscars. It's followed by All Quiet on the Western Front and The Banshees of Insurin, which each had nine. Mm. Did you see any of these movies, Zach? Uh, No, I did not. Did you? (laughs) I haven't seen any of them either. I will say Everything, Everywhere, All at Once has been on my watch list for a while. Okay, It's a little bit long, so my wife and I are like grandparents. We go to bed at like nine, and so it's hard to find movies that kind of fit into that (laughs) timeline for us. But I've wanted to see that, and I've wanted to see The Banshees of Inishirin. So I'm going to have to check those out and All Quiet on the Western Front. Is 11 nominations a lot? I don't know anything about the Oscars. Is that impressive? Yeah. I know back in the day, 11 was definitely a lot. I feel like they've added some categories and stuff, so I wonder if that makes it a little bit less impressive. But yeah, I think all things considered, 11 nominations is pretty solid. For what it's worth, the word of mouth that I've heard about Everything Everywhere All at Once is that it's really, really good. I've pretty much only heard rave reviews for that movie, so... Wow. Pretty excited to check it out. Good luck to them. They have a pretty good shot with 11 nominations. Yeah, seriously. Okay, well, let's talk chat GPT here. And just a quick primer, chat GPT, most of you guys probably know what it is at this point, but it's this artificial intelligence chatbot. It was launched by OpenAI late last year in 2022. And it's basically this crazy chat system. You can go to their website and ask it questions and it answers them. And it uses, you know, processing models and natural language learning processing tools to basically replicate a human as close as as it can. And the more people that use it, the better it gets. So this tool has been making the rounds online. Everyone's been using it for all kinds of ways. And one of the big implications here is how it's going to impact education. And the story we're talking about today has to do with a professor 
at Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. That's their business school. Rob, what happened here? Who is this guy and, and what was his idea? Yeah, so this guy, his name is Christian Turweish. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, so I'm sorry, Professor, if I got that wrong. <laughs> so yes, Wharton, one of the top business schools in the world, very, very prestigious. He got really curious about the technology, and he wanted to test its performance on one of his final exams. And I feel like it's worth wow. mentioning that ever since ChatGPT launched, one of the biggest concerns that people have been talking about is, well, now kids are just going to ask ChatGPT for the answers to their homework. So like school is broken, basically, like ChatGPT is just breaking the yeah. educational system. So what's cool is this guy actually kind of put it to the test. And what happened? So he said that ChatGPT struggled with a few things. It struggled with some of the advanced prompts and it made some mistakes on sixth grade math problems, mm. but it did insanely well at basic operations management and process analysis questions. He actually chimed in and gave some context. He said, not only were the answers correct, but the explanations were excellent. Wow. We have a link and maybe we can throw this in the show notes to okay. the actual answers so you guys can check it out. But he basically said in his 25 years of teaching, he recognizes some may consider it the closest that technology has come to automating the skills of managers and consultants. Okay. All right. So depending on who you are, that's either really exciting or really alarming. I think the funniest part is like how many companies have paid absurd premiums for management consultants, which he basically <laughs> just said, <laughs> yeah. ChatGPT is essentially replicating. <laughs> yeah. McKinsey would like a word. Yeah, exactly. AI. <laughs> so there's a lot of implications here. I guess foremost, just the potential impact on education. This is all fairly new. A lot of researchers are just dipping their toes into this now and exploring this question. But what are some of the kind of high level thoughts that are floating around here? So he has a couple of thoughts on kind of how this changes the educational landscape. So first, he thinks teachers really kind of need to raise the bar for their assignments while also letting students engage with ChatGPT through a more critical lens. So essentially factoring in the students can use ChatGPT sure. into the actual assignments, right? And making the work a little bit more demanding. On the other side, he thinks that there's potential to leverage ChatGPT to make teaching, which includes exam writing and grading, more efficient, which huh. if you've heard people talk about ChatGPT, I feel like that's one of the things that I keep on hearing is that you can really kind of engage with it. And like once you go like a few levels deeper than your initial question, you can really kind of create a dialogue with it. And I could totally see that helping with exam writing and grading. Wow. And Zach, I know your parents are both high school teachers or, or your mother was. Yeah. Have you talked to them about ChatGPT and kind of what they think about this whole thing? Yeah. Well, first of all, it seems like this professor's ideology around it is sort of a, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Use the strengths of chat GPT in the classroom to improve the tests, to maybe supplement your teaching or the way that you write essays, and then build around that instead of just trying to ban it in the classroom. A lot of students, you know, do their assignments at home and it's going to be really hard to regulate how technologies are used. And also difficult to try to figure out who used it and who didn't. Right. Some of these answers that ChatGPT gives are pretty indistinguishable from human answers. I mean, they're not written well, but sometimes they're logically sound, sometimes they're not. And I think a lot of students, even if they don't just word for word use a ChatGPT's answer, they'll use it as a template to make some minor changes here and there and save themselves a ton of time writing an essay. 
you know, luckily my mom was a teacher for 20 years. She just retired right before OpenAI came out with this tool. So she hasn't had to deal with this. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> my stepdad is still teaching now and he is a history teacher. You know, I haven't actually talked to him too much about ChatGPT, but I'm sure he would sort of wave this off as something really that shouldn't raise too much concern. Yeah. But yeah, the teachers that I have talked to are pretty split on what's going on with this and how to handle it. Totally. And I mean, it's notably like it's not the first time that people have been worried about technology affecting homework, right? Like people were worried about Google forever and just kids being able to Google answers to their homework. And I think it's just kind of the latest iteration of that question. And at the end of the day, I kind of like this professor's philosophy on it. It's like, you got to kind of understand where the tide is going and restructure education Mm. to be more relevant to the current moment, right? And the future moment. So yeah, that means making things a little bit harder, factoring in the kids are going to be using chat GPT on their assignments. I think it makes a lot of sense. Sure. So one other argument that I've seen teachers make that I tend to agree with as a journalist is that really good writing starts with really good questions. And one of the limitations of ChatGPT is it's only as good as the question that you ask it. (laughs) So students can't really hide behind crappy questions that they feed ChatGPT. If you don't start with really insightful questions, then you're not going to get a great result out of it. And ultimately, your piece of work really won't be that good anyway. So totally, I think some people have probably argued that they're not concerned about it if someone doesn't start with a good question. Yeah, that's a great point, Zach. It's not about the answers. It's all about the prompt. That's going to be kind of the secret sauce to using ChatGPT. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there are probably a million think boys on Twitter that have made Twitter threads (laughs) about the best way to prompt ChatGPT. So if you want to learn how, I'm sure you could go to Twitter and check that out. Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. And I guess the last thing we should say about this is, like I said, this tool right now, it's in its infancy. It just came out in November of last year. But it's going to get better. It's going to get stronger. So the current version, if it's already good enough to pass a Wharton NBA exam, I think the fears are totally valid that as this thing learns more from human input and becomes better and stronger, I don't think the fears are invalid of this being very disruptive, both in education and the broader professional workforce. And it's kind of like Wikipedia, right? It's like back in the day, teachers were like, well, Wikipedia is not a real source. But then as Wikipedia got stronger, like I trust Wikipedia more than a lot of sources now. Yeah, same. And actually, I'm glad you brought up Wikipedia because when Wikipedia came out, there was a big outcry in the education space. When Google came out in the late 90s, people thought that that would be extremely disruptive and destroy critical thinking and all this stuff. I think that what we've seen is like in a lot of ways, the technology can't salvage something that is truly a piece of crap. You know, it's not going to polish turds. <laughs> right. As they say, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even before Google, there were physical Spark Notes books that you could go buy at the bookstore right. and you didn't have to read books. And, you know, before that, th- there were parents who wrote essays for their kids. So, <laughs> right. You know, there, there've always been ways to cheat and, um, It's probably an easier time to cheat now than ever before, but I don't know. People are going to try to stay on top of this. Do you remember back in our day, Zach, when the most you could do from a cheating perspective in high school is like plugging in some equations into your (laughs) TI-83 and finding some way to sneak it past your teacher? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or the the water bottle trick, putting a water bottle on your desk, writing notes inside the liner on the inside. Yes. Genius. Yeah.
All right. Well, stay out of trouble with ChatGPT. If you're interested in using it, try to use it for good reasons. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the PubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today was Robert Hartrig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage for you in our newsletter. And if you're not subscribed to that, you can go get yourself signed up at hustle.co slash email. Catch you all tomorrow. Hey, everybody. I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team, Alan, Leanne, Elliot, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player, Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.